Hello and welcome. I am your host, Kirsty, and this is Leadership Odysseys. We're embarking on a mission to bridge the gap between aspiration and reality, offering a raw and unfiltered exploration of the behind the scenes challenges that shape true leadership. Join us as we share stories of resilience, turning points, and authentic human experiences that remind us greatness is a product of the entire odyssey, not just the destination. To my incredible Leadership Odysseys community, get ready for a thrilling ride. Whether you're a car enthusiast, automotive connoisseur, or a leader who's always followed your heart, this episode is tailor-made for you. Today, we're focusing on Driven by Passion. I'm honoured to introduce a very special mentor in my life, an automotive legend, Mr. Owen Webb, fondly known as Webby. (laughs) With a legacy spanning over three decades at the heart of Australia's automotive show scene, Owen's name resonates with every car enthusiast in Australia and beyond. He has been the driving force in shaping it. From his early days as a spray painter, perfecting the art of painting cars, to becoming an Order of Australia medal recipient in 2015, Owen's journey is nothing short of legendary. Owen has earned a personal audience with Queen Elizabeth II, a remarkable achievement resulting from his close collaboration with Jim Frecklington on the construction and painting of the Queen's Australian State Coach. For three decades, Owen Webb has stood as the chief steward at the renowned Street Machine Summonats, setting the gold standard for event stewardship. His heart for charity is as impressive as his automotive expertise, with initiatives like the Motorex Cruise for Charity, Handbrake Turn and support for special needs students at Anson Street School. Owen's commitment extends beyond events to inspiring the next generation. Initiatives like Rusted Gems Project and the Right Tracks Program connect with young minds promoting careers in the automotive industry and inspiring the next generation of car enthusiasts. Owen's impact on the Australian car culture remains a permanent footprint. His life's work is a testament to the boundless possibilities that await when you're driven by passion and a heart that beats for both cars and the community. I'm so excited to delve deep into the world today with Owen and explore your incredible contributions, philanthropic passion and the initiatives that are changing lives and landscapes. Welcome to Leadership Odysseys. Wow, that's really some intro, Kirsty. Thank you very much and Wow, I'm, I feel tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's quite a, a life journey there. Yeah, it is, I suppose. And I don't sort of think of myself as being old, but when you when you look at it or listen to all of that, yeah, it's it's it has been an amazing journey. And I, I often say to people, I reckon I could count on one hand the amount of days I've got up and haven't wanted to go to work. So I actually feel blessed. Winning. Yeah. That's a, a life to be very grateful for. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Now, I was actually going to come and visit you for this podcast down in your man cave, but you have surprised me and headed up to my home for this conversation, which I absolutely love, especially seeing as you've just got back from the US as well. 
You are going to have to tell the audience, though, about your man cave because it is something pretty special and unique. Yeah, look, it is. I I guess a lot of males in general, whether they like sport or like cars, absolutely have a have a have an area which is obviously called a man cave. And I, I love my area. I've, I've had that for about three or four years and I've got a, I've got a few cars in, a couple of special cars that I've, I've built. I've been fortunate enough to, to purchase cars that I like and build over the years I've got in there. But what I've actually got and when I sit there and look around is some very unique items, as in I brought out a, a, a really a special guy that fell by the name of George Barris and he was the guy that built all the movie cars for all the stars and all the movies through the 50s, 60s in Hollywood. And I brought him out to a show we run called Motor X and, and we had to do a contract for that. And he also built the Batmobile. So when he returned the contract, it had a Batmobile stamp and then I've got the contract on my wall and stuff like that, which is just absolutely one off. So that's pretty pretty exciting and people like Chip Foose again if anybody in the automotive industry would know of him he's had a lot of TV shows and probably the best one of the best known car builders in the US people like that and they've got special posters and things signed in my wall and I look around and have a look at that and I think yeah wow that's that's pretty special yeah definitely some very special things in there as well because you've got like really old (laughs) unique like antique pieces in there as well yes yes and I'm assuming some of that might have come from your father? Correct. You've done a little bit of research here. That's really good. Yeah, I've got, because of obviously automotive, I've got some petrol bowsers and petrol cans and just, yeah, unique stuff from my dad and that just, and when I look at it, I I look at different sections and I've got a a lounge there from my auntie who lived way out in the country. So I can sit on that and I look around at all these different segments and I'll be a bit that remind me of my dad and then a bit remind me of work and yeah just different stages of my life so that's it it is a, a really good place to not that I get much of a chance because I'm still even at, at 67 I'm still loving what I do so I'm still passionate about it and flat out pretty much but I can I love it when I sit there and just look around and and just reflect and take that in yeah wow well let's dive right into that <laughs> and you know dive into that world of where it all began because you had quite humble beginnings starting off as a spray painter and then you know really your hands-on experience in perfecting the art of painting cars laid the foundation for a lifelong passion so let's look into where did it all begin like (laughs) who is Owen Webb (laughs) (laughs) well interestingly enough just I'll go back a step even before that and I grew up on a dairy farm and that's really interesting because what that gives you is a, a really broad perspective of life. You're up really early in the morning, rounding up cows before I go to school. I'd come home, you'd be feeding calves or just generally working. Weekends, you might be fixing fences, but always my passion was jump on that tractor and go for a drive on the tractor. So I was probably driving motor vehicles from when I was probably four or five years old. And I'd, then, of course, you have a, a paddock basher back in those days and you're, you're driving around. My grandfather left me um, FC Ute, so I was, I was thrashing that around the paddock. And and then I always thought that I would be a dairy farmer and my dad sold the farm and went and bought a truck and so obviously became a truck driver. And the day I left school was the Friday 
And on that Monday, I had an apprenticeship at the local Ford dealership in, in Bowral. No, no mucking around. No, no mucking around. <laughs> so my life has always been like that. But that's it just went from me sort of thinking I was going to be a dairy farmer straight into being an apprentice panel beater. Yeah, had two days off. Two days, <laughs> wow. And so you dived right into this. I did. Right from the very beginning. Yeah. And how did it, how did it all start though within that space? I guess – it's really interesting you ask questions like that because you look back and you think when you're so busy, things just happen and you just keep moving forward and moving forward. But when I look back at that, it was all about passion. I, From the first day, I remember the first car I even worked on, I thought, I love this. This is for me. So when you really like what you do, you're going to do it well and then you actually want to get better and then just keep moving forward. And that's even within two years, even as an apprentice, I was still, I was painting cars and, and doing up cars for shows, even at that early, early stage of my career. So I was obviously looking to not so much improve, but just excel at what I was doing. Yeah. And probably being around different people as well and, and learning from their skills and experience. Very much so. Like, obviously, this is a Leadership Odyssey podcast. And when I look at leadership, I have had some fantastic people in my life of not so much mentors but leadership or have good skills. So you're learning those skills along the way and and that's really, really important. And the, the one thing that I, I have learned about leadership is that it actually – I see it as a really good team. You've got to have a captain or a leader but it's also about the team around you. Oh, it's all about the team, isn't it? That's yes. really where it makes or breaks and actually builds your vision to be able to bring that alive for yeah. everyone else. Yeah, and you even see that in a, like say, a really good sporting organisation, a rugby league team or a really good basketball team. They might have the best one or two players, but they don't necessarily win the competition because it then comes down to the team that's doing the one percenters. Yeah, that's exactly right. I know with my son over the years of watching soccer and really diving into those team sports, it very much is, you know, yes, you've got the the front line that is kicking yeah. all those goals in, but that defence line and, you know, being able to be on the, on the side as well, it absolutely it is a team effort to, yeah. to be able to get that goal in the right position. And the crossover between business and sport is is very similar when you you put it into those terms and and one thing I've, I was driving up here today thinking about my career and I've been very fortunate to work with companies that have really good products and I, I guess I've chosen them or they've chosen me or that that's what value that's what happens well. so you really look at that and but you can't do it the manufacturer can't do it all so you've got to have good distribution and then when I look at that, again, you could have the best product in the world, but if you don't have good distribution, you can't get it out there. It doesn't matter. And then even in that distribution, you've still got to have a good team in amongst that because if there's only one person, they leave, that product just it just drops off the shelf again. So it is so it just really resonated with me how much leadership is about that team. Yeah, it really is. And bringing all the functions together with one big collaborative vision that's yeah. going to, to be able to drive that well into the future and leave a legacy to actually build the systems to continue that on. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very much. And that's so, so it's leadership and, and like captaincy and bringing that through, but then it's also about secession. That is really important in business. I've definitely learned that. 
Absolutely. So from starting your first apprentice <laughs> or apprenticeship, I should say, where, where was the next stage for you? Yeah, it was interesting. I, I, I said, as I've previously said there, I, I love, I actually started as a panel beater and back in those days, the it, spray painting was a different apprenticeship, but because I love, I was in a dealership where I do both, I ended up doing both apprenticeships. So I became a, a tradesman, a panel beater and painter. And I probably preferred more the painting side and and I did a couple of cars myself and then took them to some smaller events. And then I went to a to an event which a lot of people here may know or may not know because it's a 36 year called the Summer Nats. And I had a, a fairly good car there and I'd done really well the first year and got a few few awards. And I, I thought that was pretty good. And then I was actually asked after that to to come and judge at, at that event. So I guess it's was that sort of progression. Yeah, yeah. wow. So the Summer Nats was something that was very special to you. You know, an event, you might actually have to tell our audience what the Summer Nats <laughs> yes. actually is. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, it's one big automotive party. But but what it is, it's uh, it was a coming together of a, pers- a fellow by the name of Chick Henry and I met him at, we went to a car show on the Gold Coast and I was standing in line and I'd heard of this this guy by the name of Chick Henry and I was actually standing behind him and I was listening to him talk and so I just sort of introduced myself and we had a chat and about the whole scene and where it was at and car shows and, you know, they were, they were all a bit dysfunctional at, at the time and no really good judging system. And then he, he said to me, he said, I am going to put together an event this, he was in Queensland at the time. He said, I'm going to put together an event where everybody's welcome. And very simply here, there was different, there's like hot rodders and street machiners and then late model cars. So there's three different sort of tribes. He said, but everybody will be welcome and I will have a judging system that's fair and judge with experienced people. And, and within two years, he absolutely had his vision and that was in Canberra. Yeah, wow. And it would be very true to say that a huge part of your legacy is entwined with Summonats as well. Were you the you were the chief steward for twenty six years? <laughs> well, basically, yeah. I started off as the as a paint judge at, at Summonats too. I was an entrant on the first one, as I as I said, and then I it was uh, a paint judge, and I really liked that. And I guess Chick liked a few things that we used to meet every year, and we'd look at the rules and how we could. Not so much change it, but we wanted to progress the industry. What what his vision was, was don't leave it the same. Let's progress that industry. And obviously we'd go for, every year we'd go for a trip to the America and we'd look at some of their top shows and we'd bring some of those trends back. But he was his big thing was on the judging system. He wanted to do it with experienced people that understood the passion and the amount of degree of difficulty, the amount of work to go into building one of these cars. So, yes, he was a very much a mentor and great friend and mentor to me and gave me a really good perspective on on that part of my life. Yeah, wow. And he really was, by the sounds of just a bigger part of life as well, on being yeah. able to guide you through those transformative years yeah, as well. definitely. And, and touching back on this podcast about leadership, it, it is about influences and leadership and, yeah, it just – I, it's really interesting when you, again, when you do a lot of reflecting today, but when you look back of, I wouldn't have put any of that into my, what are you going to be doing in the next five years? It 
those things just if you surround yourself with the right people those things just flow I think that's a very powerful message to be able to share because it really is it's about getting the right connections the right environment the right creativity in the room and allowing these relationships to flourish over time you can't you can't plan for that at all no no you, you like everybody's got to have a bit of a life plan that's, yes. a, that's a leader or, you know, that's that's organised and you and you in particular I know would be like that. But it's – I like to think that you've got a plan but it's, it's flexible. Absolutely. And, and then that is flexible by the people that come into your life that, that then what you want to do with them. And, and even now I I just hooked up with some people in our business at the moment and I feel like I'm – I'm 16 again. I just I got so much energy and we've got so many events coming up. It's just crazy. Yeah. And a little bit of reverse mentorship as well. <laughs> yes, yes. Definitely that. Help definitely you with that. some social media side. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I definitely need that. Yeah. Well, and so on the summer nights, just to give perspective to this, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of listeners that are from the car industry that totally understand the <laughs> And a lot that don't. <laughs> there is going to be a lot that don't. So Roughly how many people would attend this event every year? Yeah, well, that started off as, again, I won't go into the whole story because it's such a long, long story. We did an eight-segment eight podcast with Chick before he passed away and that's actually gone into the archives in Canberra as part of history for Canberra. Incredible. So, Yeah, it is incredible. So that started off with probably two or 300 entrants and I don't know, maybe five or 6,000 spectators and and Angie, his daughter, even she moved to Canberra with him and they used to get money sent to them in an envelope, which was the entry fee cash. That's how <laughs> it started. So that's like, that's the perspective. And now we had to cut entries off at two and a half thousand. That's cars and they all bring a couple of people and we'll have a hundred thousand people over the weekend. And that's over a show, it's over burnouts, it's over a, a it's an elite show and shine and a street show and shine and just a whole culmination of people getting together. And it's not really a car show. We call it an automotive event. It's it's so much going on for those three or four days. It's always that first weekend in the new year. And it's just become totally synonymous. And again, I might be a bit of a slow learner because it took me a long time to realise about all these events we're doing. I used to think it was about the cars, but it's actually about the people, it's all about and, the people. and what you can do. And I stood on a stage at uh, another event we do called MotorX, which is the premier car show, and I looked out at that audience and I just thought, wow, we've actually give these people a, a platform to show all the work they do, but look how happy they are. And to be able to... To do that for people is amazing. And and then the other point I was going to make on, on summer nets and our other events we take to the regional areas, we can that they bring anything from ten million to, to fifteen million into that into that town or that city in accommodation, food, fuel, and so they're really good for the events. And that's how come we've moved on to Alice Springs and Rocky. Those councils have actually approached the owner of summer nets to bring the event. Yeah, the halo impact they yeah. can actually have across all the yeah. communities. You think about Alice Springs, we do an event there called Red Centre Nats and that is the biggest event now in Alice Springs. It brings more money into that town than any other thing they do through the year. Yeah. So how good's that? That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And to think that like, the part that you're playing and then engaging in that next generation to keep that thriving and to keep the economy moving. Yes. 
Yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. So it's a long way from being a hoon in a car. Yeah, yeah, that's right, which a lot of people would see it as that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And exactly. so on the cars, because to give perspective to, the the cars are at all different levels that you are yeah. judging, but they're not just your average car that are coming into these auditoriums, are they? They're very much people put their heart and souls and sometimes – two decades into actually building some of these cars. Can you just give us a little bit of industry knowledge in this space? Your Passat wouldn't cut it at our show, right? (laughs) (laughs) But Although I have the Passat because you told me it's got a very good engine. That's right. (laughs) It's good for you but not for our show. So, yeah, so we start at different levels, which is really important because – we want to encourage people. Like there's a car out there at the moment which is probably the – not probably, it is the best car ever built in Australia and that's a 10-year build and too much money than you'd ever want to think about. But that's not what we're trying to encourage. We're trying to encourage the people, the younger people, to do their best, build a car to their level, it's a good paint and where all the money is in these vehicles is in the labour. So if the more that these people can do, the better it is and the and the better it is for them and also cost them less, but then they feel the sense of pride of actually achieving something. And that's that's probably the big thing I've learned in this in car building is that it just gives people such a such a sense of pride. And now what we're seeing is a real generation of father son. And I love that because that's special. We, yes, it is special. And didn't see it obviously at first because it was just just the guys, but now their sons, father and son, are building cars together. And you think about that as as what that can do for a family. And then they go out, and the pride of that family is yeah, it's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. On that next generation, and I'm probably going to miss a few steps, so we're going to have to yep. come back to yeah. MotorX and, yeah, and yeah. a few other big initiatives. But you, the whole entire course of your career, you have always given back to community. And a big part has actually been on helping young kids that a lot of the time are in trouble in somewhat way or another, whether the boredom of being in a country town, but being able to build that skill set to actually regenerate these cars and and you even give the cars back to the community as well. Can can we dive into that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's really important because I looked – what I because I love doing that, giving back, but especially to young people. And the one thing that I've worked out with young young guys in particular, but especially a lot of girls now, they love sport and they love cars. And especially in these regional communities. And I've got a program at the moment which we're doing in Alice Springs, and you touched on there called Rusted Gems. And that's what that is, and I'm sure everybody listening to this will have heard of all the negativity in Alice Springs, and it just it breaks my heart to hear it because, yes, it's real, but it doesn't have to be and they throw – governments throw money and they fly in for a day and nothing ever really changes. But what we're doing is we're getting out into the communities. They're dragging a car out of the bush and it doesn't matter what level they're doing, but they're working on it and they get it to a stage and they'll bring it to our event called the Red Centre Nats. And what that does, we do a few things with that. First thing we do with that is we get them to – work on the vehicles because that's something they love. So there the boredom is gone. Mm -hmm. But then we also do health and education. So the first thing is a health check and really big on the anti-smoking and anti-drinking. And then we do health checks with that as well on all these young guys. And look, I when I first started this five years ago, I thought 
oh, I want to change the world. But what I realise, you can't change the world, but if you can change it one step at a time, that's just, I get, I actually feel a bit guilty because I think I get more out of it than they do. <laughs> oh, but that's the that's the best bit. You're doing yeah. it literally from what your heart is telling you is the, the right thing and not trying to just throw money at a situation that actually yep. needs incredible amount of support yep. to be able to guide them well into the future and then for them to have that halo as well and into actually building that into the next generation yeah. after them. And they're, they're the young Indigenous kids and I tell you, I've never seen a, a group of people with so much character. They are just awesome. If you just... Get them interested. Drive. They don't even have to drive them. You've got to and just sort of show them what to do. And they are they are so clever at, at mechanical things and what they can achieve is amazing. So, well, you're yeah. giving them a whole new level of confidence. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, when you look at it that way, and and if we can in, include a bit of education and and health in that, it's just got to improve that whole situation, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Wow, that's And to remarkable. see the look on their face, to see the look on their face when they put their car on display at uh, at the Red Centre Nats and all these people come and look at it and they we have a lot of signage and show it when it was dragged out of the bush and then, yeah, it was good. But the next thing I want to do on that program, and I talked to them about it last year, is we get a, a vehicle that's not so rusted and such a wreck that they can get it to a better stage and then I want to give those cars then to the victims of crime, which I think will be will give them even another whole perspective on not going out and breaking in and stealing cars, but just, yeah, isn't that a really cool thing to do? Yeah, that yeah. is – well, yeah. it's, it's life-changing. Yeah, it is. It is life-changing. Yeah, yeah, wow. So incredible that you – find so much of your time like <laughs> yes <laughs> like you're leading between you know multiple roles that you're leading between judging your full-time you know career <laughs> as well and then being able to give back so much to the community and bring other people in on that journey and share it yeah, yeah it's pretty remarkable it's good it's worth but like I said I've I don't necessarily feel guilty, but I feel I'm getting as much out of it as as, as that is. And that's really is what giving back is about, that's isn't it? That's exactly right. That's yeah. where the true growth is and, yeah. and finding life's purpose. And that's a little bit different to I've listened to some of your other people that you've done here. And it's it's not like a, a big time corporate leader, but it's it's leadership in a in a different way and, and giving back and and organizing You're being things very and, humble yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's huge leadership and yeah. it is it's making a difference overall not just for the short term you know win it's very yeah. much about a long-term gain yeah. and you know the strength in building the community around australia you might be going to ask this but just on that was another really special project we did about oh probably 10 12 years ago now is we done a, a, a project again I like, obviously I like to do things where I, we can make a difference, but things that I can also, that I understand. And so from the painting angle, we we done a contest where we painted all these surfboards and we, for a, the Sunrise Foundation in Cambodia. And that was something that was really special to me because that went to, all that money was raised for the orphanage there at Sunrise. And we raised a fair bit of money for those kids. And the difference for that is every cent, we made none of that went into administration it all went straight to the to the kids and we brought them to australia and some of those some of those kids were were trained in as lawyers or teachers or whatever but then they go back to cambodia to their to their villages and then they would teach that and pass that back on so that again was really important project for me and we 
we brought all those kids out and we, we took them for a day on the harbour and we did a concert at the Opera House and they actually sang, wow, that was wow. one of the most amazing things I've ever done in my life. And see those kids up there singing and Casey Chambers sang with them and Becky Cole, it was just, it was amazing, really good. Wow, yeah. so yeah. special it was to special. be able to experience all yeah. of this as well from what, from what you're bringing yeah. and, and actually making happen yeah. as well. Well, let's go back because I yes. did say we, we yeah. skipped a beat. <laughs> but back to, you know, Summonats was a huge part of your life and still is yes. very much. Motorex was another one that was sitting in there as well. Yeah, because these events, I guess, spin off from other events and and Motorex came about as, as an event. Summonats is, is an experience and a full event where what we wanted with Motorex, again, we don't have a lot of time here, so I'm not going to delve into the every delve every into every, it, every, delve nut, in. every nut and bolt. But but it what we did is we went round Australia at all the major shows, and we chose two or three vehicles, and then they would come to what we call. Then we had this event called Motorex, and that's like the grand final. So all the top cars in Australia would come to come to Motorex, and that is just it still is now the premier static car show in australia we have we still go around choose all these cars from from over the 12 month period and they come to we don't do it in melbourne now and we just that's turned into an amazing event and this year i've just got back from the us as you said and i'm bringing out probably the two best car builders in the world to be to be guests at that show so we given back in a different way there that obviously costs a, a fair amount of money but then we get the chance for builders in Australia or up-and-come people to actually meet these people and have a chat to them and, and learn about some of those, those their skills. Yeah. Pretty, <laughs> yeah, it, it's like, you know, when you really dive into it, the, the thing I'm loving there is the connection that the industry is actually doing and it really is about empowering everyone around them. It yes. doesn't matter what your title is or who you are or, you know, the, the value of a car or an asset or anything, it very much is just about uplifting and, you know, really bringing forward this sense of community across the whole entire industry. And isn't that what I said? It took me a while to learn it. I used to think it was about these amazing cars, but it's not. It's actually about the people. And, and another part of that is the judging team, even though, I'm still fairly relevant, but I actually like to bring young people into that team. It's really important to me because the things are changing and they do a lot of 3D printing now in making car parts. So I don't know how to do that, but these young people I'm bringing in now, they'll do that and all the technology into these cars and all the new skills in, in new tools, new equipment, new paint products. So that's why you've got to if you want to be relevant, you've got to keep the a young team. So I'm always looking for good young people to be part of that judging team and, that, and that's really important to me as well. So the industry keeps progressing. Yeah. yeah, And that reverse mentorship has said again, like just learning so much from them because they really have grown up in a very, very different – Different world. In, yeah, a whole different world to yeah. your generation, my generation yeah. of being able to, to bring that skill set to the industry. And I still love that. I, I – reckon every day I learn something and usually fairly major and quite often of young people. I, when I used to do training, I used to really love, I'd have like six to eight students when I was doing mainly this is paint training. I'd look at that and I would learn just as much as I, even though I'm the trainer, I'm the teacher up there, I, every day I would learn as much as what I've 
what I think I've passed on from them, and that's probably more in the new skills and new technology. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that part of training as well. Well, MotorX was another huge event. I know it probably would have got around the similar amount of summonats, wouldn't it, around that 100,000 people No, we, we never used to get that many people but yeah. because it was only for a two-day event where summonats yeah. is for. But, yeah, when we were doing in Sydney, we ended up with some pretty special cars and guests and people. And the other thing I didn't mention there is we also at MotorX give people the opportunity to – bring their car along and we call it what's called the inauguration. So it's the unveiling of their car. And I used to go around to events and I'd see somebody that might have spent two, three, five years and anything, 100,000 more on their car and they just bring it along and park it and nobody would really know if it was new, old or whatever. So now we make a big deal. We bring them in, put them under a black cover and then we unveil these cars and we interview the owner and, and it's just it's again. That's now I've got so many people wanting to, to be unveiled in new cars. But it's look this year at Summit. I had thirty cars on my list, thirty brand new cars, and a lot of those started off through the COVID period. But it's become such a big thing at car events, and I think it's really special for those people to unveil their cars. It is very special. It really does add that little cherry on yeah, top. It it's does. like all that hard work yes. and passion and commitment and, yeah, to be able to have that moment in time. Yeah, definitely. So on the reverse of that, have you ever placed your cars into <laughs> any of these? No, well, I have actually unveiled a car, uh, one of my cars, but I – Obviously, I don't enter into the competition, but I've still – it's re- really – that's an interesting question you ask because when I, that, again, looking back, I thought I'd built my last car about 10 years ago and then through COVID, I remember this absolutely – I couldn't call on any customers, so I couldn't really go to work. So for 40, 30 years, I'd said to myself, oh, all I want is just to do – a week off just to do what I want to do. So guess what? In COVID, I get three days into my week off and I just watched Netflix for three days and I just felt myself spiralling down. I've never suffered from depression, but I just knew in my head, I just, I could feel it. It was just, I'd never experienced it, but I knew it wasn't for me. So I got on Marketplace that night, bought a car. Next day I was into it, working on it, and it was I never enjoyed building a car so much in that period because even if I went out and just sanded a guard or put the bumper bar on, I felt like I'd achieved something. So that was a really good lesson for me and it made me realise that not that you've got to be busy but you just got to be achieving or got to be feel like you're yeah, achieving something. Well, I think it's, it's busy is different. Yes. For everyone. Some people generally do need that complete stop and, and you know, downtime. I'm very similar to you. I know you are. (laughs) (laughs) And I exactly the same. I I don't think I've had a day in my life where I've just sat on the couch and and watched, you know, Netflix as much as, you know, I keep saying I'm going to do it. It's on my bucket list. Sit on the couch in my pyjamas. But just that sense of purpose and, yeah, achieving and giving and, you know, just being able to grow in that moment of learning something new, whatever that may be, but definitely understand, yeah, why you experience that. It makes complete sense. Yeah, it's it's probably one of, definitely later in my life, best lessons I've ever learned. And uh, even even a little while ago, probably only a couple of months ago, I said to myself, because I've 
I seemed to have got really busy again in this stage of my life. And I thought, I just want to do what I want to do. And then I stopped myself and I said, I'm actually doing what I want to do. I feel really fortunate. I just don't want to do quite so much of it at 67. But it's a choice of time, yes, isn't it? It's, it is. It's being able to go, you know what, if you did want that extra hour or you wanted yes. to have a day off that you absolutely can. Correct. If I wanted to come and spend a day with you, I'm doing it. That's really good. And that, so I'm slowly getting into that point in my life. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. very good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2015, you received an Order of Australia for your services within the automotive industry. Can you share that feeling, that level of accomplishment? Yeah, that it was. That was. A, I won't say difficult, but it was. It was so humbling to tell you the truth. And I, I was not embarrassed, but I was just so humble that I. Yeah, I probably didn't. I, I understood it. I took it in, but I felt like I, instead of me giving out the the accolades, I was getting it. And it was a, a little bit difficult to to sort of consume, but very honoured to, to be part of that. And, and that was for automotive industry. It was for some charity work and obviously for the work we did with the, on the Queen's Carriage. So it was a little bit of all that. So, yes, it's, it was a great honour. I like how humble you are. Just, <laughs> just a little bit of work we did on the Queen's Carriage. So to put perspective, you have actually built – I thought it was two, but just before we turned on the record button, you mentioned three carriages for the royals. You have actually met Queen Elizabeth II. I did. I did. And again, that was, I guess, the how you surround yourself with. I was remember working in, it was probably 1986. I had a, a small restoration panel shop in Barrel and I got a phone call and this, this voice just out of the blue, said to me, would you, uh, hi, I'm I'm Jim Frecklington, and uh, would you like to paint a carriage for the royal family? And I went, yeah, here's one of my mates cheering me up for sure, <laughs> as you would. <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, w- whatever. And so hung up and then I don't know what I thought. I didn't really follow that up. And about three weeks later, the, Jim rings back and says, do you are you really interested in doing this or what? And I thought, hmm, okay, this must be real. So he was building this at the time in in Dubbo, and I went drove up to Dubbo and just I was absolutely amazed. And again, short version of a of a very long story. He Jim had worked in the with the royal household, and he actually rode horses every day with the Queen. So he was her horseman, and and realised that all these carriages in that facility in the Mews were nearly 100 years old and even though a lot of them were good but they weren't safe there was a whole lot of things so he thought he'd build them a carriage and spoke to government and a few different people but he looked Jim being he's I guess a little bit like me just I'm going to make this happen so he made it happen and with his own money and and drove that whole thing himself and we built a carriage and presented it to Queen Elizabeth and the Duke the day after she opened the new Parliament House in 1988 and that was just, it was an amazing experience along the way and then to do that with, again, another mentor and good person was was amazing. So, yeah. I think there's multiple facets I want to dive into here. <laughs> yeah, there is uh, a lot. <laughs> one of them is, oh, like, there's nothing better in life than meeting people that are just willing to give anything a go and put the most outrageous but fun yeah. initiatives on the table and to think just – 
you know what, I'm going to do a, a coach yeah. for the Queen. Yes. <laughs> and that's right. He, they didn't come to him and ask, will you build me a coach? He saw the need or – and without going into a lot of the detail of that, the, the need in that was it was it became very safe. So as in bulletproof glass and, and coach. So it be, it can, at that time, a lot of things going on. And even now, you've got to have something where if they're going to be out in the in the public, it's got to be safe. So that's a very big part of it. And also more comfortable to ride in. Like a lot of those older coaches, they're they, a lot of movement, so these have got shock absorbers and better springs, and yeah. So, and, and that when I say these, we've actually done a, a couple more since for different reasons, and again to different levels. And the second one we did was was probably my highlight because what Jim he commissioned from pieces from the Commonwealth all around the world, and actually put in the doors of this coach. So there's a little bit of the of every Westminster Abbey is a bit of timber. There's a bit from the Harrison's first watch that was ever made. There was so it's like a it's like a time capsule, but not buried in the ground out where everybody can see it. It is the most amazing thing that I've probably ever worked on. To tell you the truth, yeah, I love that. It's a masterpiece. Yeah, it is. It is. It really is something special, and I don't think it's ever got the accolades yet. But I, it definitely will in the in the going into history because, like I said, there's, I don't know, I think there's about 50 pieces in those doors just from everything. There's a bit from the Dam Busters plane. There's a, from the Blarney Stone. There's just so many things in that, in that, it's a time capsule on wheels. Yeah, wow. And it's still, like, as you said, it's like this is being used by the royal family yes. she today. Had, it was Every time I see it, and Queen Elizabeth, when she was alive, she opened, used, always used that to open Parliament. So I always see it there with the eight horses. And, yeah, that makes you feel pretty proud to yeah. think you're a part of that. And yeah, yeah, wow. And it was the first one you did. It was a very short time frame you had to it turn was. this around as well because no pressure. If you're going to do this big initiative, you may as well give a three-month time frame. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah, because we the ideal time was obviously when she was here to open Parliament. And we did a bit of a tour with the Westfield Centres before that and then took it to Government House and presented it to her on the day. And that's the day I actually got to meet her and, and the Duke. And the Duke come up and asked me what bits I did on the on the coach and talked about that. And yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, that is phenomenal. And so all those individual gold lines like it's, it is pure art yeah of what's gone into it i and actually painted. I, I did all the body and paint but that what you're talking about there was done we actually brought out a fifth generation heraldic artist who from england to do that actual gold all that gold leaf work so again meeting him and just listen to his journey was amazing so and interesting what you've just reminded me of something and on that first coach we did I met some of the best craftsmen ever. Well, nearly on the last one, we, which we're just about to complete now, there's only about three of us left. A lot of those have passed on and those skills. And so it's really important to pass those skills on, as we've touched on here already, because there's things there that we'll never, ever get. If we don't pass them on, they'll never get passed on. Blacksmithing and woodwork and some of that... Uh, that heraldic art and all those things. Yeah, the importance yeah. of yeah building it through. Yeah, because it's not something you put in a book or anything. No. It's very much that, you know, partnership of actually 
hands-on, one-on-one teaching someone yeah. as well. Just thinking when you're saying that, uh, nearly everything I've done like that is, yeah, it's hands-on. It's a very labour or hands-on type uh, roles I guess I've had in my life and, and I guess that's probably why I've enjoyed it so much. Yeah, well, it's all coaching. Yeah. It's actually, you know, yes, you've got the mentorship side but it's yeah. the physically you've learned a skill and then passing that skill straight on yeah. by actually coaching others how to actually do that. And when I look back, even at school, I was okay. Probably didn't apply myself at maths and English, but metalwork, top of the class, tech drawing, <laughs> top of the class. See, it's really interesting, isn't it? How just when you put it all, it's all like almost like a jigsaw puzzle. It all just fits together. Oh, it really is. <laughs> when you do, you, you look back and you reflect and you go, oh, okay, that all makes sense. Yes. <laughs> it didn't at school, but it does now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely does. So that was a pretty big moment. So you've had, you know, you went from – one Queen's Coach, which is an incredible initiative, <laughs> to a second one and then you had a third one that came in that journey as well. Is that correct? Yes. I probably can't say too much about this one because it's not, oh, not, no. not, not finished yet, but this will be uh, hopefully for the King. So, yeah, that this will be it because Jim and I have had that discussion and he's pretty much not so much done, but he's got other things he wants to do in his life and he's another – incredible man because I go and have an hour with him and I just come away so inspired he's got all these I think he's going to have to live to be 120 to finish all the things he wants to do so it's amazing isn't it oh and that's what it like he's lived his life purpose and he's just giving right and that's a that is retirement it is that is like the he's living his best life and and being able to still work on all of these initiatives yeah. and it's just amazing. Well, there you go, a prelude to what is to come. We will have to document some of that journey. <laughs> yeah, we might come back again for another That's exactly round. Exactly right. We might have to get Jim in here himself as well. Yes, <laughs> that'd be amazing. That would be pretty phenomenal. I want to take a moment to introduce you to naturally gluten free. Where lifestyle meets quality. Naturally Gloom Free is a boutique bakery committed to crafting exceptional gloom free products that are produced with high quality natural ingredients and free from all additives and preservatives. When you are seeking to transform your menu or source a premium gloom free product, Naturally Gloom Free invites you to connect with them via their website, naturallyglutenfree.com.au. So all of this incredible work that you, as I mentioned multiple times, very, very humble and one thing's kind of just led to the other through hard work and connection. Another part of that is that charity work and we did touch on it but we didn't even touch the surface of what you've actually done over your whole career. Can we kind of go into that a little bit, even segments of it, because I know that there there is a lot because, I mean, you have been mentoring students and, you know, you're in Hall of Fames for, for what you have actually done in communities. Yeah, I, I guess so. We, we've touched on that a little bit and I where I really just did small things, obviously at first, and you do charity car shows and 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 things like that. But where the first major thing we did was the surfboard uh, competition we did for the Cambodian Orphanage, and that really changed my perspective on on what you can actually do. I I feel if you're going to do anything anything in life, 
you've got to have a purpose and you've got to have no or have a good feeling of what you want the result to be. And I've really believed that in charities because you can get lost and spend so much time and not probably really make a difference. So I've really looked at things where hopefully we can make a difference. And and even that, like I say, so that the Cambodian charity, that was just that was probably still a, one of the highlights of, of my life, to tell you the truth, how good that was. And what we also gave by giving them the money and giving them the chance to come out here and, and learn new skills to take back to their own country, I also had 12 young artists paint all these surfboards, which we then offered up for charity. So they were all super excited and, and changed some of their lives as well and their career paths in just doing that journey. So that whole thing just melded so well together. And then we had a, an event called Cruise for Charity. We raised a lot of money for Camp Quality with that event. And then we also gave at MotorX, we also gave uh, several dollars from each ticket sold. So that's how I raised a lot of money over a couple of years for Camp Quality. But then, uh, then as we again, we touched on is the, the Rusted Gems project at Alice Springs. That's that's just making a difference in probably a smaller way to start with, but I can see that being growing into a, a pretty significant, not so much event, well, event will be based around the Red Centre Nats, but just uh, a, a good good thing to do and, and make a difference in the communities out there because they they are just amazing, those communities. I, I love now going out and 250 k's northwest of Alice Springs and you're out in the bush. You are out in the bush there and it's, it's just amazing to, to be with those people. Absolutely. And are you driving out to the middle of the, the Red Centre? I, I am. <laughs> I, I usually fly to Alice but then drive out to, to the communities and the different places got there. And it's really interesting that last year one of the communities in the north had heard about this and they just went, wow, I want to be part of it. And so I went up there and, and they just all embraced it. And, and interesting enough, I, I just thinking while I'm talking to you here, Probably a lot of that comes back from my uncle back in the late 50s, early 60s. He he was in a, on a mission up right up in Arnhem Land and he he used to, I used to, he'd come home and he I couldn't wait to see his photos and the different things he did. He built a whole community from nothing out of the bush and built this and so on. I'm thinking the connection's probably in the DNA a little bit there and he's 90 five now and I actually took him out to that community last year drove him out and to see him those people that still remember him or the next generation now that knew of him come and uh, thank him for all the work he'd done and that was was pretty amazing oh extremely special gosh that would have been a moment for him to really cherish yeah yeah. and me and to reflect on yeah so I just I was just making that connection while we're talking yeah, here. There you go. Yeah. See the power of reflecting on our own journey yeah, and yeah. seeing And we all don't those get thoughts. to do it, do we? Because no. we're so busy in what we're doing and looking forward and moving forward. You don't dwell on the past, but just, yeah, this has been really good. But sometimes the past actually opens the doors to the future. How true. How true. <laughs> in there, you mentioned purpose. What's your life's purpose? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I still don't know, but I I feel at the moment it is definitely it's giving back. We've we've touched that right through here, and I I do feel it's giving back. And even in the current role I'm in now, I feel 
very fortunate to have the owner of the business I'm in. I don't know. I should, I should call him the boss, but he's not really the boss. He's a he's just a great friend, and he owns all these events. We we run seven to eight really big car events around Australia now, and he owns those. And just to work with him on then, and I feel he gives me the freedom, not so much to do what I want to do because he obviously trusts me, but I can make a difference in the in the section I want. And and I think this is a really important part of leadership. I don't want to run that company. I don't want the marketer's job. I don't want the person over there that job. I know what I'm good at, so I've really sussed out that. I can make a difference, but then I want to bring a few other people along that journey. And I've got two young young uh, ladies, females with me at the moment, doing, and one's a fantastic spray painter, and she, she is absolutely going to be next level. And, and then some fantastic girls in, in administration, but just so passionate about it and I love bringing them along with me on this journey and I've even got people which I consider in a, in a more of a management position than I am and then I'm sort of like second to them but I can give them really good advice on especially on the cars and entrance and that side of the business so I'm really enjoying that at the moment. Yeah that's great well you're they're trusted advisor and yeah, you <laughs> you know where your strengths are yeah. and that is absolutely leading those events and absolutely connecting all the dots for the community yeah. around it but yeah. you do you, as you mentioned earlier you need that team and the leadership you know from right from the very top of the company as well to be able to bring that to fruition but they're trusting you in yeah. bringing that forward and I feel that and that's exactly what I feel because I've made it clear that I'm not chasing their job. I don't want to be. I don't want to be the logistics manager. But we've got the most fantastic logistics person in there. She's not a car car person, but what I can give her is those car skills. And so then, what it makes is a good team. That's right. Yeah. If we're all car people or all logistics people, it wouldn't be a great event. That's exactly but it. When you put all those skills together and uh, work as a team, we run we run some pretty amazing events. Yeah, wow, something to be very proud of mm. overall. Now, I suppose there's a, a statement I know that you have said throughout your journey as well, which is around that concept that ordinary people can achieve great things. Reflecting on your journey that you have done in your car ride here and over the last couple of weeks, what what does that statement actually stand for for you? Well, it, it, it's interesting you say that because I do consider myself very ordinary, very approachable. Definitely, uh, I've ended up in the spotlight, but not by choice. And it's okay. And I actually, one thing I, I do, I don't mind is speaking in public because a lot of people find that really difficult. But as long as I've got the message, as long as I've got the message, the right message to pass on, I'm actually happy to do that. Yeah, so... I guess ordinary people can achieve great things by hard work and also having, we're going back to that same theme, but having a really good group of people around them, a good team. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree anymore. Yeah. And along the journey, there's always adversity as well that does always. come in for everyone. How would you explain adversity in your life? Well, the best, the best way I can explain that is how, is how you bounce back from it, and because uh, no matter whatever you think is going to happen, or 
you're planning for such a thing, something will hit you out of left field. And it could be it can be an illness, it can be just a distraction, family issues, all sorts of things will, will happen along the way. And it is how you how you bounce back from that. And interestingly enough, I just had a had a situation, a family situation, and I've probably the first time in my life I felt a little bit overwhelmed and and I just kept saying to myself, not that I didn't say it'll be right, what I said it will be right, but we just gotta keep working through it and just keep being positive. And I did and within two to three months of that we've come out the other side and things have yeah, just your next part of your journey. You move on to the next part of your journey. So it's, right. it's 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 how you bounce back. It really is how you you bounce back and that optimism to have within that space as well because you definitely, it was, what was it, a year ago from a health perspective that you were really hit hard. Two years ago. Two Two years years ago. ago. And uh, and again, but it's interesting. I, I, again, reflecting on that, I've used that word a lot today, but reflecting on that, we had a big event in Rockhampton and I knew I had to go into hospital. So I, I planned around that event, <laughs> done the event. Of course you did. <laughs> of course. <laughs> on the Monday, straight into hospital. And But I never, ever, I wasn't scared. I wasn't uh, that concerned about it. Just very positive through that whole that whole thing and got through it. And then yeah, you come out the other side and you're probably a different person again. But then, you, then there's other things. You can then help other people reflect if, after that. On their on help them through their journey, so yeah, it's good, but it is it's definitely how you bounce back from those things, and that's and I've said that a couple of times, but it is when you when you think about it, you get if you get down and you just keep spiraling down and you think there's no way out, well, there probably isn't. You've just got to be positive and and not positive for the sake of being positive, but just think, well, yeah, this is part of the journey. Work through this, keep working through it, bit of positivity each day, and then you get to a stage where you're you're all on the up. Sunshine. Absolutely. (laughs) Plenty of sunshine. Well, Owen, I like to ask each guest on the show for a few words of wisdom that we can pass on to our aspiring leaders, founders of tomorrow. You have shared multiple lessons today, but when you do stop and, and, you know, go on that reflection journey, what have been some of those most invaluable lessons that you have gained that you really would like to share? One thing I live by is, and I say this even if I don't say it out aloud, I say it to myself, treat people the way you would like to be treated. I'm really big on that. And that's probably my biggest. And the other thing is whatever you do, if there's a if there's an action, there's going to be a reaction. So before you do that action, think about what reaction's coming back at you. They were probably two of the biggest things I live by. Yeah, And and I guess in, not so much, but then the other thing is if – and I look at you, what you're doing here, and I think you are doing a fantastic thing for the community and to uh, hopefully people will listen to this and get a lot out of the different people that you're interviewing here. So – I think if you're doing good things that you will get rewards and that hopefully it's monetary as well, but also just as in your growth. So if you give out good vibes, doing good things, you will get good things in return. So they would be my three, not so much pieces of advice, but things I live by. 
Yeah, I think that's some great advice to pass on to our next generation. And honestly, I can't thank you for such an incredible conversation that we've had today. Before I do wrap this episode up, I do want to ask, how can people help you do play, you know, at that very active role in a lot of these, you know, key charities. How can people get involved in what you're doing as well? That's a good question because a lot of people you get overwhelmed or you get come to sort of a, a closed door. But I think what I've looked back, work out what your strengths are, as in mine is automotive or painting, and then go down that path. So then you can go and approach whoever you, whatever, and, and again, choose a charity or a, or a, something like that that you want to help, something that you actually like and feel passionate about. And then think of your skills, what you can take to that, and that's how, how I would definitely approach that, and that's how that's happened for me. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, as we wrap up this awe-inspiring episode, it has been such a privilege to delve deep into your extraordinary life, Owen. Your journey is nothing short of legendary. Your passion, commitment and philanthropic endeavours have left a permanent mark on individuals worldwide. Remember, true greatness knows no bounds and Owen, your story is a testament to the transformative power of passion and community. It's been a true honour. Yeah, thank you, Kirsty, and I absolutely really love what you're doing and, and uh, yeah, more power to you. You've got, a, you've got a, a lot bigger journey in front of you than I have, so enjoy it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this incredible odyssey. Until next time, lead with courage, lead with heart, and keep exploring the remarkable world of leadership. Enjoyed the journey? Hit the subscribe button, rate us, and leave a review if our stories ignited your leadership spirit. Your feedback fuels our odyssey.